Welcome to Wielding Legacy. My name is Laura Payne Stanley. This podcast is for high achievers, visionaries, creatives, coaches, and consultants. Because the key, the key, the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. You see, I know you are here creating an impact in your industry. You are here building a legacy for you and your family. And it drives you and it occupies your mind. But through my work as a trusted advisor to extraordinary entrepreneurs, I know you aren't yet reaching your greatest potential in business, your performance, and potentially in relationships. I'm known with my clients for being their loudest cheerleader. I often believe in them even before they do so themselves. And yet you can't enroll me in your legacy limiting story. I'm your biggest empowering challenger as you create your ultimate legacy. This podcast is called Wielding Legacy because the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. Welcome friends to today's Wielding Legacy episode. And I'm welcoming a rebel, an anarchist, and someone who has achieved so much in her life. She's success coach and creative, Stephanie Zakis. I think the, the connecting intuition to courage is trust. I think it would be a, a, a line of trust within yourself and to trust yourself. I don't really talk about it a lot, but the, when I was in that really abusive relationship and I was literally <laughs> like a prisoner for years, uh, the, the feeling that I had in order to get out was very much this gut feeling of like, you're meant for more. And that is what got me out of the situation. In this episode, we discuss how does one actually trust their gut instinct? How do you use the internal power that you have already inside you to create your legacy? Come and find out in today's episode. So welcome to the podcast, Steph. I am so delighted to have you here today. And I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Definitely. <laughs> okay, I want to jump straight in. Yeah. Topic that I know is a little probably a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Okay. And that's okay, isn't it? Is what does legacy mean to you? Yeah. It's loaded. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean it's loaded? Tell us more. Well, you know, legacy, it's like such a, it's a big word and it means big things, right? Like a legacy. I don't know. I feel like it's loaded. It's like, it's like similar to when someone asks you like, what's your purpose in your life? And you're kind of mm. like, my purpose. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know. It has that like weighted, a weighted feeling. So yeah, it's big. I think that's an interesting point because many guests have said when they come to talk about legacy, that they've never really considered their legacy before. And they've definitely not considered necessarily the word legacy or what they yeah. want their legacy to be. Do you think mm-hmm. that's fair to say for you too? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think I think about legacy, if you want to call it that. I don't know if I've necessarily like called it legacy, but I definitely have thought about like, what is my stamp in the world? What is it that I want to bring to the world? What do I want to help people with in the world? And I feel like that is a legacy, you know, because it for me, a legacy is when you're, you know, dead and gone, how do people remember you? What have you contributed? Right. And like, 
also being somebody that is child free and will always be child free and I will never have children other than my princess cat. Uh, I, after me and I'm dead, that's kind of it, right? I don't have children, you know, to like keep on with the legacy or take over my business, you know, when it's done. So um, it is something that I think about in those terms quite a bit, I think. Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned in your intro that you are um, an American, but you're an expat yeah. and you live, you're a resident mm-hmm. now of Iceland. Yeah. Now for many people, can you, can you just kind of share how, I mean, for many people just yeah. hearing that story is, okay, how does a US citizen become a resident and then a citizen of Iceland? Yeah. Probably many people see Iceland as one of those places that they would love to go to. They're like going on holiday or vacation mm-hmm. and they would love to become a resident, but it seems mm-hmm. such a a big thing to do so take us back Steph how did little Steph whatever age that would that was how did little Steph go from where she was to living in Iceland being a resident yeah so I feel like I've kind of always been on the trajectory (laughs) even since high school uh so I like I grew up in a really small suburb of Columbus Ohio uh Ohio is a relatively small state uh in the United States and I always knew I wanted to get out like there was never a point in my life that I ever even thought about like going to college in that city even though it has one of the arguably best colleges in the United States and one of the oldest ones it's huge my entire family has gone there for generations and I always knew I didn't want to do it I always knew I wanted to get out so I think I've always been in that mindset of what else Uh, I've never liked the stagnation uh, of just, I don't know, just sitting in one spot. But uh, so I think it started then, but I actually was living in Brooklyn. I moved to New York after living in a stint in Orlando, where I ended up going to college uh, and getting out of Ohio. Um, But I moved to Brooklyn uh, and I was there working. That's where I like, I literally moved there to like get my ass kicked (laughs) because I was like, you know, that, that saying, like, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so I was in Orlando, I was working for Disney and I was just like, I felt like I was in such a little box and like being out of a box is very similar to the feeling of like moving to Iceland it's like it's a very similar feeling for me so um anyway my manager uh said that I was too creative as a photographer at Disney and I needed to tone down my uh creativity so I was like all right so within like three days I think it was under a week I bought a one-way ticket to Brooklyn and I was like you know what I'm gonna move to New York I don't have a house I don't have anything <laughs> I'm gonna get my ass kicked and I'm going to make it happen. So anyway, I was in New York uh, and I was working in my business and, you know, growing that and everything. And my high school best friend from Ohio uh, messaged me and said her and her sister were going to Iceland. And did I want to join? And me being the nerd that I am, I'd always wanted to go to Iceland because Lord of the Rings is like loosely based on Icelandic folklore. I've seen in like National Geographic, like images of Iceland, and it just seemed so magical. (laughs) And so I was like, yes, I'm going to go. And so when I uh, was here for the first time, um, I ended up getting two jobs for a Brooklyn magazine. Uh, They sent me out to, because I'm also a writer. So they had me do a uh, two pieces on Icelandic food culture for them. So I photographed and wrote for the, uh, this magazine. So anyway, 
uh, I set it up that my first full day in Iceland was the first day that I was going to go out to one of the restaurants that I was covering, which it was about 45 minutes outside of Reykjavik, the like big city here, <laughs> big, <laughs> quote unquote, big. It's like the size of like one, like New York neighborhood. Uh, but so, uh, so on my way out, I was like driving over this hill and the sun just like hit me. And then I just saw like the vastness and this feeling of like not being stuck anymore and like just this openness and like this peace. And so I just fell in love literally instantly. And I started crying and I was like, I will live here. And it took me like five years to make it happen. Uh, but I did make it happen. And now I live here. And I, I would consider this part of my like ideal legacy uh, of my life. So yeah, so anyway, I got here on an, an artist visa. I'm here as a special artist. I had to, uh, I had to prove to the government <laughs> that I was worth it. So I had to like uh, give them with my application um, every magazine I've ever been published in, every magazine I've ever helped on production with. Uh, Cause I, in New York, I helped with like Vanity Fair, GQ, uh, Paramount Pictures, like all, all those big studios I helped with, uh, all of the lanyards that I shot from like New York Fashion Week. I had to have celebrities that I shot cause I, uh, I do like album covers for people, uh, they they signed letters like recommending me. I had to get uh, Icelanders that I had made connections with to write letters on my behalf saying that I'm a special artist and like I'm needed in this society and this whole thing. So I ended up coming here on this like special artist visa. <laughs> and so, ta-da, so now you're here. here. <laughs> so let me Long, take you, long-winded. <laughs> let me take you back to that moment on the hill when you came yeah. over and you saw the light and you had a feeling. Yeah. For any listeners or anybody watching on YouTube right now, you had to have so much trust and faith in yourself to even get to Iceland to have that point of realization. Because what I'm hearing sometimes in the in the wider community of coaching and when people talk about vision boards and people talk about creating a legacy is having that actually in a quote unquote aha moment. However, if you hadn't taken action, you couldn't have had the aha moment because you weren't mm. in the place to have the aha moment. So how winding the clock back how did you take action when you didn't have like your northern star you didn't really know that you know the final plan because once you had the aha moment you had yeah. your you know your destination of what you wanted to do mm-hmm. but winding before you'd had that yeah how did you know what to do how did you know how to go to Iceland with your friends what tell us about that process well <laughs> I don't know if there's much to talk about I've always been a risk taker and I've always just kind of like followed followed my whims and my impulses uh and I've never been afraid of being by myself I love being by myself I'm very much an introvert and I just I've always done things on my own so it's never bothered me and I've never been afraid to travel on my own I've never been afraid even when I moved to Orlando I I moved on my own nobody moved with me nobody helped me I went to school on my own I paid for that myself. Like I came to Brooklyn on my own. Granted, I did have a friend that helped me out once I got there, which was really great. But I still, I've always just been like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to try it. And so I did. (laughs) So I don't know. I don't know if there's like much to talk about. I've just always been like that because my, like, I don't know, my perception on this is like, if, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. (laughs) Like, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. 
So, so it's interesting yeah. what you're telling me because I hear this from high achievers that when I ask people to process stuff they don't know, it's very much intuition, stroke, let's take a rest, let's try it. And even if you don't know yeah. the plan, that actually yeah. you did make things happen. Although yeah. you may not be able to process out for somebody like you, Steph, who yeah. I know from, from you working with me that actually yeah. you love process. We love understanding mechanics of things. Yeah. And actually yeah. not being able to process it as a high achiever yeah. can almost be troubling sometimes because you can't answer me of what was process. Yeah. Well, see, I think it's the... I got the feeling, but you're absolutely right. Once I had the feeling, then I made the plan, mm. right? So, so yeah, I guess you're right. I did make a plan. I did sort out how do I get there? What does it need to take? What do I have that could potentially work and all of that, you know? And I, I did come here all the time, <laughs> like before, you know, before I got that, which, you know, did help. Uh, so yeah, you're right. I did. I did make a, make a process, but I, I do feel like if I have like that, um, strong, you know, gut feeling, I just, I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'll figure out a way, you know, like I'll figure out like my steps. Um, and yeah, I do think actually winding it back a little bit. I think a lot of this actually does stem from, you know, this, I don't really talk about it a lot, but the, when I was in that really abusive relationship and I was literally <laughs> like a prisoner for years, uh, the, the feeling that I had in order to get out was very much this gut feeling of like, you're meant for more. And that is what got me out of the situation. And so it's that very similar gut feeling. Like if I feel that when I am doing anything, I, I go for it. Like I figure out that the plan and then I go. So it was a very similar, like, this is what you're meant for, like that kind of thing. So it, it's a very similar, like, yeah, gut feeling uh, in that. So yeah, I haven't really there's, thought about that. <laughs> right well, there's two now. things to kind of really pick up on here. One yeah. is for any listener right now or for anyone watching us on YouTube who's resonating that you might not be in a desirable relationship. It might not be abuse, but actually it might just not be a desirable relationship as well. If you have an internal feeling that actually that is not where you're supposed to be or actually probably even just listening to this, there's something yeah. resonating in you right now that you need to either get out of that relationship or move on. I feel like I need to have a disclaimer right now because as yeah, a master coach, sorry. I can't not know. It's, <laughs> it, this is important work, but there are places and safe spaces. Yeah. And if you've had that twinge, that gut feeling, something in you just kind of sparked right now, then do either reach out to someone for assistance. So it's really important to kind of realize that's my first thing I want to say. Yeah, definitely. The second thing is from adversity, then you contacted your gut feeling your intuition is another mm. label that we have for it yeah at a at a time in your life necessary when you may not have been able to in a place or a space again to be able to say this is woo woo this is my intuition it yeah. was that kind of gut primal feeling yeah of this is not what I'm here for yeah that exactly I was like right. this isn't the end <laughs> like you have, yeah. you have more like there's more that you're meant like to be doing uh yeah very similar with how I got here I was like there's more and it's in Iceland what it is I don't know <laughs> you'll figure it out so and yeah I've, I've heard this from other legacy builders that actually from trauma can come triumph that yeah. actually those things that we would never have chosen can be used in a way to facilitate where we want to go as we build our legacy absolutely yeah so 
talking about intuition now, and I want to say this again yeah. to any, any listeners, anyone watching on YouTube, that there's so many labels for what we call this feeling. It is called gut intuition. And so if you've ever said I had a gut feeling, that's it. Some people call it intuition. Some people yeah. call it internal voices. There's a lot of different language around it. Normally I have what I call in the LPS world, the woo-woo meter. Some people yeah. are really woo-woo <laughs> and like, you know, we have spirit guides and we have a lot of different things and other people aren't. So actually it is butterflies in the stomach or it's gut intuition. Yeah. Mm. Listeners don't get tied up about what you call it. The label of it is completely irrelevant. It's the sensation and it's the feeling. Yeah. And this is what I was saying um, to another guest recently. Mm. It's not just about hearing your intuition or hearing that gut feeling, mm. but it's about taking action. Yeah, definitely. Which sounds like, and I know from, obviously, from, I know you very well, that actually yeah. you are a good action taker. Mm. Right? What I want to ask you next, yeah. and these might land very well. <laughs> they might land very challenging. Knowing you. Here we go. Here we go. We're going <laughs> You are one of the most courageous people I know. Oh, thanks. Okay. Mm. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, that was a classic Steph <laughs> avoidance. Using a little bit of humor there too. Like, oh, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Let me just kind of <laughs> just hover over and use humor. To compliments. Okay. So, yeah, again, compliments. Yeah. Oh, what we do. And if you, again, go and listen to the episode with the West, James and Kelly West. I talked to James about this again, about how to take the energy of a compliment. And we take mm-hmm. the energy of a compliment by not using humor, by taking it straight on. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it to you, Seth, again, Seth, don't worry, yeah. Seth, enough to know these. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is you are one of the most courageous people I know Thanks. from your story. Mm-hmm. Love it that you took it that time. Okay. For anybody listening who knows that there's something going on in their life or their business, and that could be even as you want to raise your rates or you want to, mm-hmm you know, close a part of your business down or you want to start up a new revenue stream or you want to leave your corporate job or whatever you want to do, how do you connect with that intuition? And then how do you connect with your courage to take action? What would your advice be, Steph? Hmm. I think the, the connecting intuition to courage is trust. I think it would be a, a, a line of trust within yourself and to trust yourself. Um, this is actually something that with my own coaching clients, we, it's like a common theme with a lot of the stuff that we try to do is it's trust, right? You have to trust to, that you will be fine. You have to trust that the, whatever it is that you're feeling is what you want to do and also what is the best for you. And also trust that, to have the courage that even if it's not the best, you'll still learn from it and it'll still be a part of your path. Right. And so that that's been something that I, uh, sometimes I don't even like, it doesn't even come up with me at all. And I'm just like, you know, F it, let's go. But then sometimes I do have that where I have to kind of talk myself into trusting myself in order to do the thing. Right. And that if it's not, if it doesn't work, it's okay. I will be okay. Cause I trust that I will be okay. I won't let myself fail. I've never let myself down. It's fine. <laughs> so I think it's trust is really that the connection uh, between courage and intuition. I love that. And I also, <laughs> I love that as, as a link for people to really understand between intuition and courage is trust. And here's something I'm going to say as a master coach also that comes up that can be sometimes when we don't trust ourselves is because we're in that fixed mindset. 
and also because the egos come up and the egos come up and they go what happens if no one signs up what happens if i raise my rates and no one buys what happens if i launch this new revenue stream and nothing happens with it what happens if i close my my business down and someone then launches something similar to what i did yeah those things can be ego Mm -hmm. rather than actually are I mean, again, I'm, I'm watching my language here because I know some people have different language and they're not going to resonate with it, whether it's your spirit guides, whether you consider you're building yeah. your legacy. But actually, if you come back to legacy and you know what you're looking to build, mm-hmm. then it's easier to quiet the ego. And I'm going to say this right now. Everyone, sometimes I hear that ego is bad. It's not. The ego is there to keep you safe. That literally is yeah. the primary directive of the ego. Sure. So we need yeah. ego. Yeah. But actually, if the ego is too loud and it's drowning out your intuition, Mm-hmm. And it's drowning out the trust that Steph just told you about. And it's drowning out the courage because yeah. it, it's just too loud for you. Then, dear listeners, really think, actually, who is talking here? Your intuition or your ego? And is the ego trying to keep you safe or is it trying to keep you stuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Big for ones. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. let's come back to your legacy that you're building, Steph, as, uh, you know, conscious childless person and again when we talk about childless um mm-hmm. it's it's sometimes these areas that people like don't want to talk about i'm childless yeah. by choice yeah I'm childless by choice and again mm-hmm. we're, you know different different angles from the same kind of point right now yeah but, but these conversations should happen and so many times For people sure. want to say i'm childless by choice yeah as part of your legacy <laughs> creation yeah can i ask you to share has anyone ever yeah. challenged your decision to be childless by choice yeah I mean I I get the whole like well well when I was younger because I've always known like this has never been a thing where I've had any kind of like internal you know maybe I will maybe I won't you know whatever I've I've known since I was a teenager that I'm just it doesn't excite me (laughs) and it's not something that make sense in my life. Uh, so when I was younger and I would talk about it, especially back then, cause it was like the, you know, the late nineties, like early two thousands. And it was like, I would say more taboo than it is now. Um, and so if I were to talk about it, it was first, a lot of people would kind of be shocked that like, I would even be talking about it. And then they would be like, Oh, well, she's young. So they would challenge me in that way and say, Oh, when you're older, you'll, you know, you'll want kids. Or I get this challenge of like, well, who's going to do like your dishes and your house chores for you. And I'm like, is that why you have kids? (laughs) Like that sounds like not a reason to have children, but okay. uh, I'll just do my own dishes. Uh, So I get challenged in that way also. And then I also get a lot of people that are like, well, what happens when you're older? Like, who's going to take care of you when you're older? And I'm like, I'm just going to be a multimillionaire and I'm just going to have like a really awesome, like retirement home and a professional can take care of me. Uh, I don't know. You know, so I get challenged in those ways a lot. Now that I'm a little older, I'm 38 now. Um, most people still think I'm in my like early thirties though. So I get challenged sometimes, but, um, I'm kind of like past that point where they're like, well, when you're older, but I do get people that challenge me of once I get through these, like, you know, last like childbearing years and I can no longer have kids, I'm going to regret it. And I, I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) So I get challenged in those days. And I also think too, like I get challenged, um, from a place of how do I use this? How do I say these words? (laughs) 
I feel like sometimes I get challenged from people that do have kids that maybe regret having kids. And I feel like sometimes I get a projection onto me because they kind of regret their decision. And so they like, I don't know, are just like projecting it on me uh, and to kind of like give themselves like permission and acceptance that they did have kids. I don't know how to explain it, but sometimes I can tell. I'm like, I think what you're saying is really just what like you wish you could have told yourself <laughs> or something like, you know, a few, a uh, few years ago. Uh, so yeah, I get challenged in that way a bit, but I don't really care. Like I'm like, no. and it, it's always an interesting one because I feel like childless by choice, childless not by choice or childless. Yeah. yeah. Actually, sometimes these conversations become so easily, um, mistaken for what someone's saying or they become uncomfortable or difficult Mm -hmm. um people are worried about being pc with their language they don't ask questions they don't know um and it's one of those things i personally think when we come to legacy we can't not talk about children having children children because yeah or or nieces nephews anything in between when it comes to being legacy because for many legacy is you started when i said what is legacy and you said about not having children so for so many people legacy becomes synonymous with children rightly or wrongly and I don't necessarily normally say right or wrong but there's a whole shade of what legacy means absolutely but one of the lessons I'd like to say to someone when you you talk about legacy is don't project your legacy desire onto somebody else so don't project legacy to you means children Mm -hmm. but to somebody else it means children and yeah you've got two women here by choice, by not mm-hmm. choice, you have children. You do. You never know where someone is on their journey. Yeah, and exactly. And so, imagine now that you'd asked about that, mm-hmm. you could be having me on a feisty day about not having children. Yeah, you could be having you on a feisty day. You yeah. never know someone's story. Exactly. And I'm going to say this to all listeners. And again, if you're watching on YouTube, ask permission. I'm a permission-based coach. Steph is a permission-based coach, right? Say to someone, "Do you mind if I ask a question about your choice not to have kids?" yeah because then someone can say not now ask me another yeah. <laughs> time whatever else I, you know just don't do it but as yeah. soon as you ask someone without permission mm-hmm. it can feel like an attack why don't you want kids and you can be yeah. like I didn't know I was here for this I was just having yeah. a conversation about legacy yeah yeah mm-hmm. so definitely that's just a piece of advice for anybody again kids non-kids people it's just ask permission when you ask some of these questions yeah now I necessarily didn't ask permission with Steph because we're having a podcast interview today and I yeah. very well it's, yeah <laughs> slightly different um kind of tonality to it so when you're going and thinking about your legacy going mm-hmm. forward Steph yeah what comes up for you do you have an idea what your legacy you are looking to create is the only thing I really land on is just like how can I help other people succeed like that's just it doesn't really matter what modality it is, right? Like I obviously I'm a coach and I help people, you know, with their businesses and I, I help people, you know, with personal development. But like, I feel like even if I wasn't doing that, I would still land on like helping people in some way, like be their most like greatest version of themselves that they want, right? Not like the best version of somebody else's standards, but like just... I don't know. I always come back to how can I help others be what they want to be? <laughs> like, however that modality is. So I think 
I think that's really my legacy is I always think about like, how do I make other people feel? When have I like helped them, whether it's, you know, advocating for them or, uh, cause I also have ADHD, right? So I, I get a lot of clients that also have ADHD. And so just like seeing them have this relief that like, you're not broken. It's, you can totally like make your life how you want it around your own terms and seeing that like, ah, right. So now they can just like live their life how they want. Like that feeling. I just, I don't know. I feel like that's my legacy. I just try to help people feel confident and accepted and just like do what they want. <laughs> so that's can the I, only thing. Am I, I okay to ask the follow-up about your ADHD? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Anything. So I know obviously you've had ADHD since you were a kid. Yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed at nine. Yeah. You were diagnosed at nine. So this, yeah. this isn't a new diagnosis. This no. is a long established diagnosis. Yeah. Medications you've tried before and different kind of med- and modalities and using your own language yeah. of how to deal with ADHD till you actually yeah. got to a place where Steph deals with yeah. Steph's ADHD yeah. and, and uses it actually as a superpower rather yeah. than essence to manage it. Because that's sometimes you hear that language to manage ADHD rather than to actually yeah. kind of use it internally as a force. Okay. Yeah, definitely. But also not even that, but more just like accepting that this is just how you are. Cause I feel like a lot of times when people talk about the managing of ADHD, they're comparing it to like a neurotypical life or standards or brain. So they're trying to like manage how they operate to be acceptable within a neurotypical world. And I'm like, but why you don't need to necessarily manage it, just work with it. You know, like, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I feel like that's been my that's really been how I've just like found the success with it is it's, I don't necessarily think of it as a superpower necessarily other than the, I think it gives me some added skills, but I don't see it as this, like, I do see a lot of language around ADHD being a superpower and stuff like that, which it could be for some people. It's just, it's just how I, it's just me. Like, I don't see it as this, like, anything like on the days that I can hyper-focus and I want to hyper-focus on something and I'm like learning something because that is one of my skill sets you know I'm like a what did my my client say Swiss army knife of like knowledge right I like to think of it as like a Mary Poppins bag right like I have all this (laughs) knowledge and like if I need something I can open up my ADHD bag and be like what is this random fact that I've read on like some rabbit hole right so like I think it helps me but I don't I don't try to manage it. I don't try to like create my productivity life to fit within a corporate world or a neurotypical world or anything like that. I just, what, what do I want to do? And I do it. (laughs) So I don't really, I don't really try to manage it. I I do try to set some parameters for myself so I can keep my, Mm. my like scaffolding, right? Like my goalposts, but I always say it's like, scaffolding within your life however it's built to like withstand earthquakes right so it's Mm. still flexible right so when I do have weeks you know you've been working with me for years I'll have weeks where I'm like I laid on the couch for four days right (laughs) because like that's just what my mind and body needed but I'm okay with that because I know after that period, I will come up with something amazing. Like, Oh, when you're hyper-focused, there's, yeah. there's, again, and what we're talking about here for anybody else, and it doesn't matter 
And I, I, yeah. I personally, sometimes I think labels can actually be the worst things that we give people because people fit in a box. So whether a diagnosis is ADHD, ADD, yeah. um, whether we have other diagnoses, yeah. or don't diagnose I, I'm not sure actually the, the proper <laughs> term, somebody can actually email me in and tell me. <laughs> what can happen is our personality can go to the parameters of the label that we've been given rather than saying, Steph, you are an amazing whole person. A facet of you is that you have ADHD. And actually what you're saying is that you, because the word managed to me means that something's wrong. It's yeah, it's, exactly. It's something's less than therefore how do we make it manageable in, into the norm? Yeah. Um, and that's where I sometimes think the language goes a little bit wrong because it's actually a case of this is just a facet of your personality and how do you work with that facet? Yeah, you it's operate different in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But some people are morning people. By the way, hello, if you've never met me before, my name's Laura Payne Stanley and I'm an obscene morning person. I am yeah. the chirpy person in the morning that you're yeah. like, would you please shut up? Because <laughs> I'm up and I'm like, let's go. And everyone else is like, really no. So Steph, what are your non-negotiables when it comes to you to creating a legacy life? Oh, yeah. So my non-negotiables are being held down, <laughs> being um, somebody else determining what I will and won't do, um, not being able to have, I think my biggest theme is freedom. Like any of these things all boil down to freedom for me to be able to do what I want, earn the money that I want travel when I want, do all the things that I want. So like, that's my one non-negotiable when it comes to this and creating my legacy is having the freedom and like the freedom to create and to think and like come up with all the ideas that I come up with and all those things. Because in the end, that those are the things that I give, you know, I, I give to the world, you know, or is like all, all of that stuff. So if I didn't have the freedom to do that stuff, if somebody was telling me where to live, what to do, how I should operate my business, that I should actually be back in corporate America, whatever it might be, I wouldn't be my whole ass self, right? I would be like a small version of Steph shoved in a box and like looking out the window in midtown Manhattan <laughs> that I remember distinctly wanting to jump out of the window, not really, you know, of the publisher's office, just like I'm not free. So my, my biggest thing with my legacy is the freedom to create it and like give back how I can to help people and that's really Beautiful. it <laughs> what, a, what an insight to share with everyone when it comes to legacy creation for you freedom is the core of everything that you do yes beautiful thank you so much for being on the podcast today thanks Steph. laura <laughs> it has been said that with a big enough lever you can move the world i've spent my life figuring out how to use that lever to move my own world and in doing so I help extraordinary entrepreneurs do exactly the same for themselves. So I want to offer you a perspective on what gives you the greatest leverage in your life to create wealth, health, and happiness. It's called legacy. And the lever to your legacy is within your reach. If you'd love to know more about this, go to laurapainstanley.com forward slash legacy.